This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. So Peter's story is so powerful, right? It's the story of each of us, if we listen closely. I love the fact that he says that his purpose in life, and first of all, he knows what that is. His purpose in life is to take the things that were destroying his life and actually leverage them to bring purpose and peace and healing to people's lives. What's interesting is he almost skips over what we might think is the most important part, where he finally was honest about his sins and transgressions, where he confessed to his wife and started dealing with his issues. We have a tendency to say that's the breakthrough, is when an individual catches that and begins to experience the power and the life that Jesus can afford, can give. But that's not what most of that testimony was about. That seemed to be a precursor, which is exactly what I think we, we need to talk about today. You see, when Jesus does that work in us, he does it for a reason. So here's the, here's the point. Let me get this first slide up. The guys, it's always tough to switch from one source to another. But today we want to talk in this series about the doors that we open for others. Up until now, we've been talking about how we recognize doors and how do we know which ones to go through. And once we've decided to go through, how to go through them. But today we start to shift and we're going to talk a little bit about the doors that God opens for others. And, and here's the basic principle. I'll tell you right up front what we're, what we're going to say today. And that's this. <coughs> Open doors are divine invitations to make our lives count with God's help for the sake of others. That's why God opens doors. When we first see an open door and we step through, we're tempted to think, look what God has done for me. And, and that's true. Right up to the second you step through. <laughs> but the moment we step through, Jesus says, now I have a purpose for you being on the other side of that threshold. And it's for someone else. The danger with this is that even as we talk about how to identify doors and how to walk through them and how to become more effective and efficient and, and, and make better decisions, we, the danger is that we continue to apply all of that insight and all those truths to ourselves. We become better decision makers. We become more effective and more efficient and more successful. If we're not careful, it becomes all about our growth, our power, our wealth, our prestige. And we live in a society that is saturated in that message, that it's all about you and your success. I think it shows up probably most frequently in most of our lives on Facebook. Okay. Now, I know a few of you don't have a Facebook page, or at least not one that you've told us about. And that's because a few of you don't even have a computer. And, I'm, I, and, I, and I, Okay, there was a day when I would laugh. Now, I'm thinking maybe you're the smart one. But anyway, we won't go there. So there's something funny about Facebook, and this has been documented, but I think it's important. You know... We, we all use Facebook, if you use it at all. It, the, the overwhelming majority of folks use it. We, we post things to our profiles that we think are going to enhance our image. 
make us look good. We post pictures that make us look more attractive than we really are. <laughs> I have yet to find a picture like that of myself. I've begun, I'm, 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 I'm going to start taking Photoshop so I can just paste in Ben's head onto my body. <laughs> We just came back from a few days away, and we posted a few pictures, and I had a look at Cindy and was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at this, I'm just like, wow, that just does not get any better than that. Yeah. But you see, we list our, we, 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 we use Facebook, we list all of our accomplishments, right? And, of course, we omit our failures. And all this is in this kind of effort to boost our self-esteem, self-esteem. In fact, there's a funny little video clip, and I was going to show it to you, but you know what? We can show videos all day. But it's, it's just titled, My Facebook Life Versus My Real Life. And it is so cute. you got this young mom sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden the little window pops up, bling! And one of her friends says, it's a picture of her living room, and she goes, there's nothing like a clean house. <laughs> so then the mom looks over her laptop, and the kids, it looks like a, like a Toys R Us threw up. <laughs> so she's like... So you get next, the next frame, she's up in the vacuum, and she's clean, and she steps back, and it's clean. Just what? So she wraps up the vacuum, stands back up, it's all back again. Like, and so you can just see, like, ah. And then the very next thing, her friend's bling, and uh, there's a picture of these bouquet of flowers. And, she, and, and, the setting, and it says, my husband is so sweet. <laughs> or... Uh, the, there's a, then this friend posts uh, a picture of like, like the plate of food. Like, my kids love eating healthy. And it's all this good stuff. And, and as, as the mom sees this, she's just about to cut the, the, the frozen pizza. So she goes in the fridge and she dumps a bunch of vegetables on the pizza. And then they're all sitting around the table and the kids are like, ah! and she's just feeling worse and worse and worse. And, uh, and this whole thing kind of goes on and on and on. And then at the very end, it switches, and now you get to see the mom who was posting all this stuff. So she's sitting at the table, and her kids are looking at this plate of food going, ain't no way that's going across my lips. Oh, they're all arguing or whatever. And as they're arguing, her husband walks in, and he sees the flowers on it, and he goes, where'd those come from? <laughs> and just then, the lady, the cleaning lady that she hired, she goes, okay, same time next week. <laughs> and it's just this truth that we all experience, which is... We, if we're not careful, we become curators of ourselves. Like we're a product that we're trying to showcase. And we try harder and harder to, be, to look better. Now there's something funny. When we go on Facebook, not only do we end up not feeling better about ourselves, we actually end up by feeling more envious of others. Because, let me tell you, there's always a guy out there with a decent hairline. <laughs> I was trying to pick out a jacket recently. They're like, just, you know, a new jacket that would look cool. And I, I told my wife, I said, actually, I'm done looking at these, at these catalogs. It's, apparently, I don't need a new jacket. I need a new hairdo. <laughs> these guys are all like, like and they can wear anything they want. They just look cool, you know? <laughs> I, I, I just want to be a cool old guy. You know, that's all. Is that too much for us? That's not, I don't think so. It's been documented by, by research project after research project that when people go on Facebook, they end up by becoming more and more depressed. It just happens. Why? Because everyone is doing the same thing. We're posting our best and none of the other stuff, and so is everybody else. And the irony here is that 
It's actually our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses that lead us to the relationships that are most important and dear to us. It's our vulnerability, not our invulnerability. But instead, we're not sure that we're insecure, so we go and post our best, and either someone's going to make us look bad, or we're making somebody else look bad. <coughs> you know, maybe most of us would be better off, it, it, instead of Facebook, what we need is fall flat on your Facebook. <laughs> Where all we do is post the stuff that we have ruined, right? And we communicate, happens to me all the time. You ever wonder what it would be like if God was on Facebook? <laughs> like, what if God had a Facebook page and he treated it like we do? Like, what would his page look like? What, what if he approached his profile the way we often do? And that's why I don't So, you know, there's these little categories. Relationship status. What would God put? Triune. Serenely bliss. We're, just, we're good. I'm, I'm in a great relationship with me. Number of friends. God only knows. <laughs> Photos. Oh, would it be interesting? Sorry, no photos. See the second minute. Okay. Timeline. Well, let's see. At 10,000 BC, I created the world. Right. I mean, okay, it'd be a long post. What's on your mind? What is it? What is it? Recent posts. What would God post? I rule. <laughs> Which is true. I'm thinking about writing another book. The first one is a bestseller. I have one billion worshippers. Whatever happened to Zeus? Right. Hey, I'm taking the day off. Thank me, it's Friday. Aren't you glad that when God actually showed up in a form that we could see, we didn't see his Facebook we saw the face of Jesus. We saw a man who would humble himself and come as we are, not as we wish we could be. Aren't you glad that God said that we should seek his face, not his Facebook? There's something about us that craves for what is real. Now, as it turns out, this whole thing with Facebook and, and, and uh, all the, the media issues, it's, it's led to a, a new electronically uh, spread disease. And it's everywhere. If, once you know what to look for, you'll notice that it's everywhere. Um, a researcher at MIT, uh, a social service researcher, uh, actually gave it a name. Uh, her name is Ter Sherry Turkle. And she called it FOMO. FOMO. Fear of missing out. And at first I thought, well, that's cute. And then the more I read, the more I realized how profound that is. A fear of missing out. It kind of starts small when you're on Facebook or whatever else you do. And then it starts to grow. We're afraid that other people are doing more interesting things than we're doing. We're afraid that other people are making better friends than we're making. 
They're discovering better ways of getting in shape or better ways of saving money or better ways of managing their house or their emotions. We're afraid that something wonderful is happening out there someplace and we're missing out. We're afraid we took the wrong job. Remember buyer's remorse? We're afraid we, we're connected to the wrong people. Wrong group of friends. It's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys, right? That, that's their fault. That's why. We made the wrong commitment. I've chosen the wrong event. I've chosen the wrong career. I've chosen the wrong church. See, there must be something better out there for me. We're afraid of missing out on our kids growing up. We're afraid of missing out. By the way, I just keep telling everybody, you can be present when your kids are growing up, and it still goes by in a blink of an eye. Okay? But, but we're afraid we're going to miss something. We're, we're afraid we're going to miss out on great careers and miss out on financial opportunities that other people are going to grab, great vacations that other people are taking. We've been blessed. We have been able to take a couple of really neat vacations. Um, and our favorite place in the world right now is, is Yosemite, uh, the National Park. And, and I love it, but... Um, you know, when you go to a place that's stunning, you feel some pressure to bring home some pictures or post some pretty cool pictures. And I don't know if you've ever seen me try to take a picture. I, don't, I mean, it's not that hard, but I mess it up. Um, and so I, I thought I had this solved until my wife told me that it was unethical. Um, but we were in a, in a gift shop, and they had these beautiful posters. So I just started framing up and snapping pictures of the posters. <laughs> I figured, you guys don't really care if I took them, right? I could post beautiful pictures. And, 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 and if you happen to think, wow, he's an amazing photographer, well, that's on you. I never, I never actually claimed I took them. But uh, she informed me that uh, I just could not do that. I thought they looked pretty good. Once in a while, you could see the, like, the plastic wrinkle on the shrink wrap, whatever. But, you know, because I wasn't going to buy them. I just took pictures. And, uh, you see, we're increasingly afraid that our lives are dull and insignificant in comparison to somebody else. Now, the way we deal with that fear is we keep posting the very best pictures we can, or pictures that we make up that aren't even real. We post the good stuff. We, we post what is going to make us look glamorous, even if we're really not. Because we're afraid we're missing out on something. And it's, it's worse today than ever. I mean, it's, this has always been around in the nature of people, but it's worse than ever because we have so many ways to compare ourselves to everybody else. There are so many new options out there. By the way, if you're 30 or under, there's a good chance that one day you will have a job that hasn't even been invented yet. Okay? That's how fast the world is changing. So now with all of these opportunities to compare ourselves, and by the way, fear of missing out, it feeds on comparison. So, a little piece of advice. Uh, well, before we get to that. Um, fear of missing out, in a way, if you think about it, fear of missing out is behind the very first sin. Remember the garden? The serpent with Eve? What did the serpent say? Did God really say? You think maybe he's keeping that fruit for himself because he doesn't want you to know what he knows? Eat the fruit, you'll be like him, right? And if you go through the, the Bible stories from Genesis over and over again, relationship after relationship, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Rachel and Leah, 
David and Bathsheba, guys, we were talking about that today, over and over and over again, at the very core is this, like, well, maybe there's something out there better for me. I could just step over the line and take it. Here's a little bit of advice before we go on. Um, just something to think about. Um, never compare your behind-the-scenes footage with somebody else's highlight reel. Don't compare your behind-the-scenes footage, your behind-the-scenes experiences with their highlight reel. Remember that they probably put their pants on one leg at a time just like you. And we have to fight FOMO. It's behind sin, for sure. But before we move on, I just want to suggest that there is something good that we can squeeze out of fear of missing out if we know what to look for. See, FOMO will tell us something about ourselves. It tells us something that's at the very core of who we are. What it tells us is that we have an insatiable hunger for more. Have you ever just realized that? When you sit in quiet, you just realize, you know, I know I'm supposed to be content, but I'm just not. I want something more. What is wrong with me? And there is a place for contentment. But what I'm saying is that even when we're content, it's easy to start thinking about, oh, but I wish, I wish. Sometimes church, we kind of give the idea that, oh, that's just wrong. And I understand, contentment is important, and being, buying into this more and more and more will make me happy, that's a problem. But I think it is helpful for us to just stop once in a while and realize, you know, I really do have an insatiable hunger for more. I have a longing for a life that goes way beyond what I'm experiencing right now. What if that were okay? What if we actually get permission today from God to feel that once in a while? I think maybe it's okay. <coughs> See, the, the point is this, that if, if it's handled rightly, fear of missing out can actually lead us toward God-opened doors. Wanting something more can actually push us to find an open door and to step through. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. What are the options out there? You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, at one point he was sitting with his arms and his hands and feet shackled, sitting imprisoned. And when he sat there and dictated a letter, when he wrote about God, this is what he wrote. And this is in Ephesians uh, 3. He wrote this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. When Paul, sitting in a jail cell, chained to the wall, started thinking about God, what he thought about was a God that could do unimaginable things. I love this verse, and it's always fun to unpack it. I mean, he says God is able to do what we ask. Yeah, but he's not done. You see, God is able to do what we ask and what we can imagine. Did you know that 
whatever it is you can imagine, God would be able to do it if that's what he wanted to do. You and I can't imagine something that he can't do except sin, violate himself. It says God is able to do all that we ask or imagine. You understand, I'm a very imaginative person. God says, bring it. But he goes on. God is able to do more than all that we ask or imagine. Not enough for you? He's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That's who God is. Now, let's be honest. We're not God. So we don't have that ability. We can't simply do anything we imagine. But because we're made in God's image, we do have the ability to imagine what it's like to be God. So every time we're in a situation, we see a door open and we're wondering what will happen. The way I think this part of God's nature comes out in us is it shows up when we become um, what-if people. Hmm, what-if. Knowing what I know about God, knowing that He can do anything, what-if? What if that thing that you've dreamt of actually he wanted to do? What if? What if I found out that I was a part of a church and they needed me and I, I found out I actually did it well? What if, what if I was a part of a children's ministry? By the way, you know, in the last year our children's ministry has grown 80% back there. Some of you think that there's been a few less people attending. No, we recruited them. They're back there with the minions. <laughs> and, and they need more help. But what if you found out, man, I'm actually really good with that. And when I started, we were 80% larger. And now a year later, we're 160% larger. <laughs> right? What, what if you found out that your ability made a difference in somebody's life? What if you started meeting with somebody for breakfast and just asking them how things are going and listening to them talk about what they're struggling with and, and, and you would encourage them about how God maybe could be in that and what he might be wanting to teach them. And a year later they say, wow, meeting with you has really changed my life. It's just breakfast. And we talk. <coughs> what if, what if you could be used What if your little story, my little story, our little broken story, and we're all broken, but what if that little broken story could actually become a part of a much larger story, and that story really does have a fairy tale in it? Because the knight, the hero, does ride in on a white horse, and he puts things well. be amazing, wouldn't it? In fact, to be honest, faith, one of, one of the things that's true about faith, faith is imagination, in a sense. Faith is, well, Hebrews 1, 11, 1 says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and it's an assurance about what we don't see. Faith is a sort of imagination. A sort of what if. We read the scriptures, and we hear about what God has done in the past. Then we look at our current situation, and we say... It could take us 10 years to save up enough money to buy land and build a church. 
I remember the meeting when we were talking about that as a board. I remember that meeting. And in my smart alecky way, I said, well, maybe God's just going to drop a whole property and a church full of people on our laps. I'm not kidding you. I said that. I didn't believe it, but I said that. I know a church where they were just recently was there, and they were able to buy kind of a, a church that had folded, and they bought the building. Wonderful, but the building was empty when they got it. Montgomery's not empty. It's full of brothers and sisters that are easy to love and are gifted and mature and wise. And guess what? They want the same thing we want. We want more pagans to become Christians. To become disciples of Jesus and to know the hope that comes. So as to say, it doesn't matter what happens. You see, this is kind of a what-if adventure. God, what if is the way God thinks? I mean, can't, do you ever imagine what it was like for God before he started any of this? I do. It makes my head hurt, but I do. I, I live there. You know, so well, what if I made a universe? What if I made it endless? I'm like, wait, wait, what is endless? What if I made it endless? What if I made people? What if I made people in my image? And what if when they sin, I don't abandon them? but I still love them and go after them. Jesus came as an expression of the Father. And if, if nothing else, he was a what-if teacher. Think about it. He came and he, and he said to his disciples, um, what if I were to set up a kingdom, but not a kingdom like you're used to? What if I was to set up a kingdom where the last are first, and where the least are greatest, and where the servers are heroes, and the weak are strong, and the marginalized are loved and cherished. Imagine a place where outsiders become insiders. Those who die to themselves, and their guilt, and their sin, and their passions, actually find their lives restored to them. Imagine a life in a kingdom like that. And then, after all that stunning teaching, Jesus did something unimaginable. He let himself be nailed to a cross. Because he said to himself, what if, what if I took the sin and the guilt and the shame that's crushing the human race. What if I took it all on myself and died in their place? And that's what he did. And they took his dead body and they laid it in the tomb and he laid there for three days and then the father said, hey, what if I tell you to get up? And he did. And death has never been the same. Life has never been the same. <coughs> Jesus rose and he said, it didn't end when you thought it was going to end. Everybody loved his teaching and then they loved the fact that he had risen from the grave and he, he had paid for our sins. Yay! And Jesus says, Jesus says, wait, but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Anybody know the name Ron Popeil? 
Omega. <laughs> yeah, a couple, right? The great inventor, you know, invented the the the, the, the slice-o-matic, dice-o-matic, the smash-o-matic, the whatever. But he is mostly he's probably famous for that one line. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so just about the time everybody says, This is amazing, our sins are forgiven. Jesus says, But wait, there's more. And he takes 11 untrained, unconnected, unresourced followers. And he says, what if besides this amazing, amazing message of forgiveness, what if, what if I create from you and those who believe a new community of brothers and sisters? What if I create a group that will be like brothers and sisters to you through faith? What if I send the Holy Spirit who's going to live among you and in you and he's going to lead you to whatever comes next? And what if I send you into the world to spread this message of good news to every corner? And what if when they kill you, they still can't stop the message because we have already conquered death? And what if this message continues no matter what they try to do until it reaches every corner and every person, Jew and Gentile alike? This community is going to just keep spreading and the message will keep spreading until it reaches more places than any message on earth. And after he said, what if he didn't? Because we're here. It reached us. Yeah. Faith is, in one sense, imagination. The ability to think about who God is and to look at our circumstances and go, what if he wants to do something different? What if he wants to do something bigger? What if he wants to do something shocking? To be honest, when I think about us as Crossroads, one of my favorite pictures in my mind is for people five years from now to look at what God has done and have them go, how did that work? Sometimes, you know, when you go to conferences and meet other pastors and you say, wow, the guy's a genius. He's a management genius. He's an amazing teacher. Wow, what a gifted leader. I'd like to go to those conferences and they meet us, pastoral staff, and they go, how did that happen? <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Do you know how much fun it is to go, yeah, God? Yeah, yeah God? This is what he did. There's no other explanation. So before we go, let me just say this. The real reason that fear of missing out exists is that we actually were made for more. And we are missing out. You see, if we tend to think that the more that we're hungering for is actually more money or more success or more impressive experiences that you can put on Facebook. If, you, if you're trying to satisfy the more as more for me, that hunger will never be satisfied. It'll never be enough. It'll be like having a, a teenage boy back at your dinner table. <laughs> bottomless pit. Biblically speaking, 
Open doors are divine invitations for us to make our lives count with God's help for the sake of others. If we forget that it's for the sake of others, we get sucked right back into this attempt at creating an impressive Facebook page when the reality doesn't exist. And it gets emptier and emptier. More, if you think it's more for me, more becomes less. And less, and less, and less. Remember uh, Narcissus? Wasn't looking through an open door, he was looking at a mirror. Isn't it scary how often Christians are tempted to describe their church as being so wonderful for them? We think we're complimenting. Oh, there's so many great people. All my friends. People were friendly and they welcomed me. Now, if you're a guest today, I hope you feel welcomed. Okay? (laughs) I really do. Heads up. As soon as we think that you might stay, that's done. We keep loving. But the minute you're in, we're supposed to be sent out. This isn't a club. You take Christ out of this community, it's a club. We are here for one reason. It's the reason that Jesus told us to be here for. For others. Well, we're here for Him. You know what? We're going to be with Him. If that was the only reason we're going to be here, He would be better off taking us right to heaven. We're here for others. And guess what? I just got to warn you, some of those others you won't like that much. (laughs) We're all happy to have a church full of people that are like us. But Jesus' community is a community of people who otherwise wouldn't hate each other. And the only way that you can explain how they're together is because of Him. So the secret to the open door, this open door, is that it appears most often when we stop obsessing about self-advancement and look instead for opportunities to love and serve others. This is hard because if you're here and you want to commit to this church, you want to make it better. Love that. Let's just be reminding ourselves that we're making it better for the next person who hasn't come yet. I'm going to give you permission that if you're in mid-sentence talking to somebody who's a regular here and you see someone you don't know, mid-sentence, mid-syllable, and go say hello to that person. Hey, it's really nice to have you here. Especially if they kind of look like you. So I go to old men. You approach them and say, I'm really glad you're here. Is this your first time? We always have to ask, because people are here. There's new people all the time. I go, no, I'm so sorry. You founded this church. Oops. <laughs> sorry. Ask them, hey, so I, where are you from? What do you do? How did you find out about us? In fact, I always try to ask, so is church something that you normally do? Because just because they come to church, it could be their very first time. I don't know why I'm here. This is kind of weird, but I just kind of thought, well, I'll give it a shot. That's not how they say it. They usually use profanity, but that's okay. Like, I'm just going just gonna, to give it a shot. That's perfect. We want them here. That's why we're here. 
Actually, we're here for you. This is the way Paul said it. Oops, wrong one. So Philippians 2, 3 and 4, I just realized that the update didn't go through. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, Paul says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Amen. Jesus modeled it, folks. I just want to say, if you think that just because Montgomery and Crossroads are now going to be together, first of all, it's a miracle if two churches blend and they actually like each other. That's a miracle. I'm not going to take away from that. Okay, We've already experienced that miracle. But if we go into this thinking that now we've just got a bigger club, we're doomed. We have to teach ourselves to remember over and over why we are here. <coughs> we are here. We step through this door to reach others. There are people in Montgomery County who, who've never ever heard a clear explanation of who Jesus actually was and what he did. They're still under the impression that we're here because we're holy people, or at least we think we're holy people, and that we're doing God a big favor by showing up. And we look down our noses at other people who don't look and smell and talk like us. They don't know the truth. We're as broken as you. And the only reason we're here is because Jesus redeemed me and he wants to redeem you. <coughs> the doors that God opens for us are doors that open for other people. It's the only reason we're here, folks. There is one good reason to leave the church. You leave a church because they think it's a club. Or you leave a church because there isn't another thing that you can do to help somebody. You've helped every single person. Isn't it easy to come and say, well, I hope, I'm hoping to be encouraged today. I'm hoping to learn something new today. I'm hoping to be strengthened and encouraged today. Yes, we want that to happen. But the context in which that happens is as you're looking to encourage and strengthen someone else. We are here to open doors for somebody else. Let's pray. Now, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I guess we have to back up and make sure that you understand that the whole reason we're here is because Jesus died for us. He died for you. And having made the payment for sin, He's now offering eternal life as a gift. We would love for you to understand that. We'd love to explain it to you. But most of you know, or at least have heard that message. And, and so the message for us today is, is simple, even though I've made it complicated. It's really quite simple. Is it clear to us that we are here for someone else? Which means when we don't get our needs met, we're not going to be offended. The question is, have I helped someone else find Jesus today? Have I encouraged someone else? By the way, you start encouraging people just when you show up. And then you say hello to them. And then you maybe you remember their name. And then you say, hey, I was praying about that. And it just goes on and on. In your notes, there are questions. You say, hey, do, would you like to get together and kind of go through a couple of those questions? I thought maybe three of us could get together, read through those passages and answer those questions. And continue this learning. <coughs> and 
two weeks later you hear them say, oh yeah, I'd like to go, but I, see, I have this group that we meet and we study the Bible together. You didn't know you were a group. <coughs> Who are you investing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you left heaven, came to earth, took on flesh. You died the death of a thief. So that you could redeem us. And now you offer us life that is eternal both in its length but also its character. And you call us together into a body of believers, the church. But not for us. You call us together for others. And we confess in this year, in this year when we've been working so hard at bringing these two churches together... We've spent way too much energy thinking about us. So today that starts to change. Even as we come together as one church, our focus must increasingly be outward. Who is it nearby that we can meet, that we can touch, that we can help? Where can we share? How can we show God's love? It's what you called us to do. Help us to open doors for others, we ask in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.